0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome to Simply the Bible, the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where a new generation arises that does not know the Lord, so Israel turns from God to serve the Baals. This sets up a terrible cycle of retribution, repentance, revival, and relapse that continues for centuries. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Judges chapter 2 on Simply the Bible. Chapter 2 of Judges parallels chapter 1.
0: In chapter 1, we saw physically and chronologically what was happening in the nation following the life and leadership of Joshua. Judah, Simeon, and Ephraim began taking the land, but soon encountered Canaanite resistance, strongholds that they couldn't or wouldn't destroy. Rather than conquering their enemies, they began coexisting with them. This example became even more pronounced among the other tribes of Israel. In chapter two, we see the same compromise following the days of Joshua and the elders who witnessed the mighty works of the Lord. But it's from the spiritual perspective. Chapter two sets up the pattern for the rest of the book. It's a repeating cycle and really a downward spiral of idolatry, God's judgment, crying out to the Lord until he sends a deliverer or judge and then a period of return to God and relative prosperity until the same pattern is repeated in the next generation. Philosopher George Santayana said, Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. That is an apt description of the book of Judges. We pick it up in Judges chapter 2, verse 6. And when Joshua had dismissed the people, the children of Israel went each to his own inheritance to possess the land. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath-Heres in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash This looks back to the renewed covenant at Shechem that we covered in Joshua 24. Joshua called the nation out to choose whom they would serve, whether idols or Yahweh. The people responded, we will serve the Lord. Therefore Joshua told them to put away their foreign gods that were among them and to turn their heart toward the Lord. Then he dismissed them and they each went back to their homes. The people continued to serve the Lord while Joshua and the elders of that generation were still alive. Joshua died and was buried on his property in the mountains of Ephraim. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. The word agnostic comes from a Greek word that means to know not or unknown. We could say that this second generation was agnostic because they did not know the Lord or his mighty works that he had done for Israel. So what went wrong? Somehow, that first generation failed to pass down their knowledge of Yahweh to the next generation, and this would prove disastrous for the nation. Not knowing the Lord themselves, this generation quickly turned away, committing apostasy or departing from the covenant Israel had made with the Lord. This shows us how important it is for us to impart our faith to the next generation, God's purpose, as revealed in the law, was that parents would teach their children all the commandments of the Lord and that through the celebration of the various feasts, such as Passover, that the children would know their spiritual history and come to their own knowledge of the Lord. It has been wisely said that God doesn't have grandchildren, only children. But if we fail to impart these truths to our children, then the next generation will turn away from the Lord and pursue the gods of this age, namely pleasure, money, power, knowledge, and sex. These same passions were personified in the false gods of the Canaanites. Now, we may not call them by the same names, but they are idols and false gods nonetheless. And without a personal and intimate knowledge of the true and living God, There is an irresistible attraction to these things. Verse 11, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. Get used to that phrase. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. You're going to hear it a lot in Judges. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. Now, because the Lord had entered into a covenant with them, it was as a marriage covenant. And so as soon as they forsook him and began to worship other gods, God viewed this as spiritual adultery. And that's why it says that they played the harlot with the Baals. Now, Baal was the male deity worshipped throughout the land of Canaan. But the great diversity of his images by many tribal groups in their depiction of him as their local deity is the reason why the author refers to the children of Israel serving the Baals, plural. Ashtoreth was the female companion of Baal representing Mother Earth, the goddess of fertility. In an agrarian society, Everything depends on good harvests. So the aim of the Canaanite religion was to produce fertility by appeasing the gods. Through their ritual prostitutions involving sexual immorality as a form of worship, child sacrifices, and bodily mutilations, they sought to persuade their deities to grant fertility to humans, livestock, and crops. In fact, all false religion is based on works, on what the worshiper does or gives or achieves to persuade the deity to grant his request. How different is the teaching of the gospel of grace? It isn't what we must do for God, but what God in his love has done for us in sending his only son to redeem us from our sinful condition. Verse 14, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. Now, these enemies that they allowed to remain in their land became plunderers. And not only were they plunderers, but they were then their princes. It's a real drag to have a plunderer as a prince. But all of this was the chastening hand of the Lord. Instead of God being with them and them experiencing victory because the Lord was with them, They experienced calamity and God was against them. His chastening hand was against them in all things. Thus, they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked. In obeying the commandments of the Lord, they did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. Now, this sets up the pattern that we see again and again throughout the book of Judges, where the people had turned to idols, and God gave them over to their enemies, and then they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord raised up for them judges who would deliver them out of the hand of those who plundered them. The Hebrew word for judge means to save or rescue. So don't think about the guy that's sitting in the court necessarily. These were individuals that God raised up to deliver the nation when they cried out to him. But after a period of relative prosperity, the new generation would quickly turn back and begin to worship the false gods once again. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. Now, the one thing you understand about God is that his judgments are consequential. The fact that the people wanted the nations around them, didn't want to drive them out as God told them to. Then God said, "Okay, then I'll deliver you to them. You'll get to understand what it's like to really have them around. And I'm not going to drive them out for you anymore. But even in this, God was working for the good of his people because then he used these very enemies to test them to see whether or not they would love God and keep his commandments or follow after these pagan deities. Now these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. Namely, five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. It's interesting that God used the enemies to teach future generations to know war. Evidently, the knowledge of war was important. And so by allowing these enemies to remain in the land, the people had to train for war. They had to teach their children how to train for war. And there is something about that that was important for them to learn. I think it's probably to teach us all the lesson that we are always in a spiritual battle. God is continuously in a war against sin, and we had better be prepared to fight the good fight. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons, and they served their gods." You see, the problem was they ignored the Lord's prohibition against these marriages because they thought they knew better or that they could handle it. But anytime we think we know better than God and don't have to listen to Him, we are in a backslidden condition and headed for more trouble than we can imagine. In the Bible, we have so much history of man's successes and failures. We can either learn from it and have successes or ignore it, and make the same failures as they did.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the through to bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Next week, we'll see that as Israel forsakes the Lord to worship false gods, God delivers them into their enemies' hands. When they cry out to Him, He raises up Judges to lead them. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the Book of Judges on Simply the Bible.